0: What up all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there. Thank you for joining me for episode 238 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Steve Appleton from Really Good E-Bikes. And this was a fun conversation because I met Steve back in October in Mexico City at one of the Dynamite Circle events. And it was a really fun conversation because like me, he got his start through finding Pat Flynn on Google. And he started listening to Pat Flynn's podcast, much like I did back in 2014 and it inspired him to look at different ways to make money online. And he chose to go into the drop shipping sector of online entrepreneurship. I chose a different path of online course creation, YouTube, and so forth. And it was just fun to spitball and talk about our different paths and where we both are today. It was also really inspiring to hear you know, how late he started in life, this type of lifestyle and this type of business, because it's such a great example of it's never too late. There is always time for you to pivot, change, and move in a different direction if you're unhappy with your life situation. So this story is one of those examples where he did all that, decided that he was unhappy in his life situation, took full responsibility for that, and then moved his life in a new direction where he finds himself now in Mexico, Playa del Carmen to be exact, and has been there for the last four years, really enjoying his life to the fullest. So I think there's a lot of great wisdom in this episode, and I have no doubt you're going to like it. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please pull out that phone or whatever you're listening to this on and hit subscribe. If you like what you hear and you want to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that in a couple ways. You can head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and buy a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt, or you can head over to patreon.com, search Misfits and Rejects, or it's patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects, and you can give a monthly donation. I have a handful of people generously donating each month, which is tremendously helpful for me as these podcasts take a lot of producing time, a bit of money to host the podcast on Squarespace, along with some other third-party apps that I need to pay for monthly. So all donations are tremendously appreciated. And thank you to all those donors who already are participating monthly on Patreon. I appreciate you so much. But with that said... Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Steve Appleton from Really Good E-Bikes. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too
1: many guns and too many bad attitudes.
0: I quit the limiting stories. really try to overcome that fear.
1: And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it.
0: Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Steve Appleton from Really Good E-Bikes. Steve, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you, man. Where are you calling in from today? I am in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Nice, dude. Yeah, we actually got to meet in Mexico City. Um, had a great conversation, and I got really intrigued by your story because, as we talked about over uh, nice glasses of wine, you kind of got started later in life with this whole digital nomad lifestyle. And it's intriguing to me because, I guess technically, I kind of did too. Um, and you're one of the lucky individuals who's kind of getting to live the dream. And I wanted to bring you on to kind of share your story with the audience so people can really hear, you know, what the reality of the lifestyle is like, and that you know anybody can start any point in time it doesn't have to be like a 21 year old kid straight out of college you know so steve if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us a little bit of your background
1: yeah of course um well uh you're right i started late in life i'm i'm uh, approaching 60 in july i'll be 60 years old and about I, and i i grew up in los angeles i went to college got an undergrad degree in uh, environmental studies from uc santa cruz didn't know what I wanted to do really. uh, uh, So I (laughs) waited tables for several years, moved to San Francisco, ended up getting a job uh, in environmental uh, consulting, writing environmental impact reports, um, helping to process complex uh, real estate projects, development projects, uh, getting the permitting at, you know, state and federal environmental reviews that are required to be done. And and ultimately working for always working in the private sector, uh, working for, uh, a land developer who wanted to build out a large cattle ranch in Santa Barbara County where I ended up was living. And as, um, as I, as I was, you know, I had been in this job for almost 10 years, I really didn't like it. Uh, I didn't respect my boss. Uh, <laughs> and uh you know i had tried to work my network i was now what 54 55 and and i said there's no way i'm no one's going to hire me at my salary which was lower than i thought i should be earning um and i have to i have to do something i was you know nervous what what's going to happen no one's. if i can't get a a regular job i'd gotten married i you know life continues to get more expenses expensive par Pardon me. And um, and so I I, you know, I I Googled one day, I Googled, how do you make money online? Literally that Google search, because I wasn't sure how people did it. I knew that there had been travel blogs and, and that kind of thing that maybe were monetized through affiliate marketing. But even then, I sort of didn't understand the mechanics of it. So, I mean, in a nutshell, that's my background. And then, you know, I spent the next couple of years learning about online entrepreneurship and learning about the digital nomad lifestyle and then, you know, basically adopting that. And um and about four years ago I uh on January first, uh we got in the SUV, we'd get gotten rid of all our belongings for the most part, um, given away a lot of stuff, sold some stuff, and then started slow travel through Mexico and more or less stayed. So that's it in a nutshell.
0: That's super cool. And I can relate to your story in so many ways from just the random Google search. You know, mine was how to make passive income online. Yeah. And I found Pat Flynn. And then what article did you come across first that really caught your attention? That you're like, wait, I could do this. It was Pat Flynn, Smart
1: Passive Income podcast. Started listening to that. And he had a guest on, Dane Maxwell, at the time, had a program called the Foundation, which was training people in entrepreneurship, uh, beginners really. And so, uh, I ended up taking that program and and learning a lot of basics about uh, entrepreneurship and, you know, having that you know positive mindset and, you know, I studied other you know Tony Robbins and and having a, a strong morning routine and having a positive mental attitude and all the things that you really have to bring to the table to succeed at it. So I spent a lot of time learning uh, the basics um, before deciding on a business model and picking a niche, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it took me a while because I had always had a salaried position and, and sort of now I'm going to be my own boss. Now I'm responsible. There's no one telling me what to do. I have to self-motivate and tell myself what to do and, and have that passion, that drive to get up every day and, and, uh, do the work, you know?
0: Absolutely. And again, I can just relate in so many ways and so excited to get, you know, deeper with you on the subject. But first you, you said that we jumped in a car and decided to start driving. Is that, you know, your partner? when you decided to make this transition? Yeah. And then did you have a safety net kind of saved up since you were obviously going to become mobile and Uh, uh, you didn't know if you had any skills yet to build an online business?
1: Well, interestingly, I had, um, because of the the weird nature of my job, my last formal job, um, I, I had periods of time when I wasn't, called on to do anything and i worked for a person who only wanted you to work on the things that she directed you to work on so taking independent action or doing something that i would normally do as a as a professional was was sort of frowned upon and you really only were supposed to do the things that that she wanted you to do and so i found myself with a lot of free time so after i realized that my you know i did that google search while i still had a job and i went through that process of looking at different business models and ultimately picked drop shipping as the business model and picked e-bikes as the uh, product category. And I was building my store at that time. And in the same week that I got laid off because the company was imploding, I got my first sale. And at that point I told my wife, I said, look, we've been working, I've been working at this thing for years now. It's been a dream, you know, build a business online, start traveling around the world, and this is it. I'm not going to look for another job. I'm all in. And so that was like uh, in April uh, of 2017. And I said, January 1st, 2018, we're getting in the SUV and we're driving south. And so over the course of that next six months or so, we just, you know, uh, she was not really You know, she was sort of reluctant. She sort of liked our lifestyle in Santa Barbara, but she realized that that's what was going to happen. And and so we, um, yeah, we got rid of everything except for what fit in the car and headed south.
0: Good for you, man. I think one aspect of your story that I respect is that you stuck with your job while you built your side hustle. And I think that's one big mistake that I've made in my entrepreneurial endeavors is like, I just swing for the fences. Like I'll save up, you know, like three to five grand and like move to Thailand and and try to make, you know, my my online ventures work on the road. And that thus far has always been a failing sort of model for me. Uh, That's really cool that you got your first sale and then you hit the road like about a year later, it sounded like. And did you drive straight, straight down to Tijuana or what was your route?
1: Yeah, so we, we were living in Santa Barbara, and we headed south. My brother's in Northridge, so we stopped there overnight, continued. Yeah, Tijuana, that's the crossing, and spent about three weeks. We went, drove down the Baja Peninsula, which is beautiful. It's an amazing drive if you ever have the opportunity to drive all the way south. And then we took a, well, we took a ferry with a car across from La Paz to Mazatlan. Um, Of course, we made some newbie mistakes. Like, for example, you have to have a certain kind of uh, card, like a passport for your vehicle that you need before you can get on the ferry. And so we had to actually fly back from La Paz to Tijuana to get this card and then fly back so that we can continue driving and Anyway, after three weeks of, you know, staying in hotels and looking at different locations and trying to come up with a vision of, well, you know, how are we going to pace ourselves and where are we going to stay? We ended up in this small uh, coastal town on the Pacific coast called San Pancho in the state of Nayarit, which is um, it's about 45 minutes north of Puerto Vallarta, but it's a small town, three or four thousand residents, a mix of expats and locals very hippie culture, and this was, you know, now we're in spring, and it was just thriving. It was amazing, and I said, why don't we just, you know, stay here for a little while, get an apartment for a month or two, and just take it, you know, take it slowly, and that's, so that's what we did.
0: That's great. I mean, I'm very familiar with San Pancho. A handful of my friends from Nicaragua transitioned there after Nicaragua fell apart for all of us and still live there doing real estate and odd jobs. Um, when you were moving around how are you continuing to keep your your drop shipping business alive i mean i know that the baja peninsula is you know very sparse when it comes to towns that you could be pulling into and getting good wi-fi so how were you maintaining that business while you started this new lifestyle
1: yeah that's true there were there are a couple of uh areas in uh, baja that don't have very good um cell coverage even i mean and wi-fi is spotty so it You know, I w- it was a new business for me. I was still getting my training wheels, you know. I saw it, was learning how to work the business. Um, yeah, I have apps that I can manage the business from my phone, really. I can run the business from my phone. I have Shopify app. I have all the Google suite of apps. I have chat and phone. So now if someone calls me and wants to talk about a product or place an order, I can do it on my phone. I've done it now so many times, but you know, I got my first, I had a call, I was, I don't know, at some rest stop, and someone called me, I'm like, oh my god, he wants to place an order right now, and I'm fumbling with my phone, you know, but, so, um, yeah, so I started to learn about, you know, not having, you know, using voicemail, right, you know, to um, async your communications with people, so, yeah, it took me a while to get in the groove of it, but, you know, ultimately, the goal is to create a business that can run without you. I mean, I was deep in the operations of it. I still am. I have a VA now. But um, so I'm much less involved in the day to day, especially the grunt work of running a a Shopify store. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still involved in customer service and higher level management uh, activities.
0: It's so cool, and thank you so much for being so transparent and real because I think a lot of people who are interested in this lifestyle are on Instagram, and somebody pops up on their laptop in this like beautiful tropical place with crystal clear water in the background, and they're like, oh, it's my office for the day. And your reality, and I think 99.9% of the reality for all other online entrepreneurs is what you just described, like being in a, in a truck stop in the middle of Mexico and having to take calls and like... <laughs> And it's dusty and dirty and uncomfortable and hot, and you're just trying to make the best of it until you can find that location that you can kind of settle into. And then once you do, the reality is that you're in an office or the you know the office that you've created for yourself or the the co working space that yeah, Kim is comfortable, but you know it's no one's working in the sun all day <laughs> by some like tropical palm trees is what I've found. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, yeah, well, um, I certainly uh, like working from home or working, having the ability to work remotely. I don't, I've never really uh, done the co-working space. I mean, I've tried it an afternoon here, an afternoon there, but it's just, you know, my work is, is um, either I'm grinding on writing or, or trying to figure out some complex marketing thing and distractions like other people working would be a distraction or I'd be, you know, compelled to talk to them or do something that would, take me out of the deep work state uh, and in other cases I'm working the phone you know I get a random phone call from a customer or supplier and you know these co-work spaces aren't really set up for that coffee shops aren't either but um, uh, but in San Pancho for example the the wi-fi sometimes even the cellular might go out so I would end up taking a bus to Sayulita which is the next town over a little bigger and I set up my office on the there was a a cafe right on the beach, great food, get a coffee, comfortable chair. And really, literally I'm looking out on the waves as I'm, and people could hear me. Well, someone would call me and I'd be talking to them and they could hear the waves crashing. And they, they even commented on that. I say, wait, are are you at the beach? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) So that's pretty funny.
0: Well, I think too, again, thank you again for just being so real because I'd like to highlight this point. So Steve would, get on a bus because the Wi-Fi was so bad in the town he was living in and I know San Pancho de Sayulita is like what like 30 minutes by bus?
1: 10 minutes by bus. Oh
0: 10 minutes by bus okay 20, but either minutes, way. Waiting, 20 minutes waiting for the bus and 10 minute bus ride there you go and then and that's just to get to a place where you have strong enough Wi-Fi to do your work for the day and then you're taking a bus back you don't you're not driving your car which is way more convenient it's like but the the trade-off is so worth it because again, the freedom, the lifestyle, where you're living is making that effort to again continue to build your side hustle worthwhile. Would you agree?
1: Yes, I'd agree. And if I had a car at that time, I probably would have used it. The thing is, I didn't mention that we, um, we had the car, but the-
0: yeah, I can totally understand, Steve. You know, sometimes your car is just in the shop and you, you, you got to do work. And so, if you wouldn't mind, really quick. You know, some of the audience members don't really know what drop shipping is. Do you think you can go into a little bit more detail about what drop shipping is?
1: Of course. Um, I think it's it's less complicated than people make it out to be. It's a fulfillment method um, for online retail. So, in instead of me having a warehouse or storefront and an online a website, I only have a website, and so when someone places an order with me. I go to my supplier whose products I you know, average show on my website. I order it from them, and they ship it from their U.S. warehouse to my customer, and that's drop shipping.
0: It's just a method. And then do you have to mark up the product price? Because it seems like I would just go straight to the supplier. Like, How does the individual who's searching for that type of product know that they're going through you, the middleman, sort of?
1: Well, it's true. I am a middleman, and more... And I'm also a competitor with my suppliers who who are selling direct to consumer on their own websites. But fortunately, there's something known as MAP, Minimum Advertised Pricing policies, and what that means is, you know, if you go and look for a product, any, a lot of products, and you Google it or whatever, it doesn't matter. You go in a store, and it's thirty nine ninety five. And you go to the other store and it's thirty nine ninety five or thirty nine ninety nine. That's because the supply, the manufacturer has set the price and said this is what you're al- you, you're allowed to sell it at and not less. They don't want to have it be a race to the bottom. And and if you find sites that are competing on price, it's just a it's a toxic environment. You don't want that. You want to compete on other uh, criteria like um, your Uh, the the design of your site or your customer service or some of the added benefits that you offer like uh, detailed guides but you don't want to be competing on price now of course i have to offer discounts and that sort of thing but the price that i i list the products at are set by the supplier and um and then i have a lot of competition uh and those websites should be uh uh showing the products at the same prices and so indeed what you said when when someone buys for me i have a margin uh that i work with so if if someone is buying uh in, in my case an electric bike that's my product category and for 1999 then when i go to my supplier to purchase it from them on behalf of my customer i'm getting it at a wholesale price uh, which is hopefully 30% less than the retail price, but sometimes uh, it'll be 20 or even 15%. And, you know, I have certain expenses built in, you know, cost of goods sold. Uh, so I have to pay my, you know, payment processing fee and I have fraud protection built in. So if someone is using a, a you know, a credit card fraudulently, uh, there are services which can detect that, and uh, if I were to run ads, that would be a cost uh, that I have to or an expense that I have to consider. I don't run ads, uh, but I have other exp- business expenses. And then from within that margin uh, is you know, my profit or my net
0: profit. Now, is that a margin that you uh, negotiate with the supplier
1: uh, or is it set? It's more or less set. It's typically based on volume. So if you're going to be selling uh, 10 units per month, you're going to get the base rate. But if you sell 100 units per month, you're going to get the premium rate, which will be a better margin. And if you're selling 2000 or more units a month, I'm just using you know these made up numbers, then you, you may be their top uh, dealer and they may negotiate with you special Arrangements. It may not just be in the margins. You may do a co-marketing. Uh, you may go to their facility and film a video where they're demoing the product, or you might do an email blast together or some other kind of creative partnership, which has value uh, uh, for both parties.
0: So to become a top seller, it sounds like you have to be coming to the table with really great marketing skills, online marketing skills, and just a an understanding of how to get those types of products in front of the the buyers who are consuming them the most. Does that sound correct?
1: Well, indeed. I mean, um, it's, you know, you go into online retail, but you quickly realize I'm not selling e-bikes. I'm an online marketer whose content happens to be e bikes So yes, I have to be fully knowledgeable about the subject matter. But uh, but even more so, I have to understand uh, online marketing from you know from ads like Google Ads or Bing Ads, which I, as I mentioned, I don't do any longer. SEO is very important. Search engine optimization is a broad field of techniques to uh, have your website, your web pages, uh, displayed organically on on Google. And other search engines when people search uh, certain keywords, uh, email marketing is also very important. Uh, and then social media, depending on which uh, product category you're in, category you're in, uh, different marketing methods
0: will be more effective than others. How did you choose e-bikes? Was that your first choice that you have stuck with, or did you run through the whole gamut of, of products before you found e-bikes to be the most profitable for what you were? doing
1: it i you know as i mentioned in the beginning i i was new to entrepreneurship and and i was uh, didn't really know even drop shipping before i pursued that business model i had looked at software as a service i looked at subscription box services and uh amazon as a platform amazon fba fulfillment by amazon uh i looked at things that I was passionate about, chocolate and opening up a chocolate store of some kind, Uh, travel. I love travel. I looked at different uh, businesses that might be developed around travel, Uh, drones. I had a software idea for drone operators. And so ultimately, I ended up discovering the dropship business model. And it's pretty basic in some ways. And since I was pretty new to Online business, it it just said, yeah, I can do this. Some of the other ones are a little more complicated. I can do this one, and it was the first one. I built a store and I got a sale. And you know, going from zero to one in in business is so massive Uh, for me. It was. It had been you know a couple of years of me struggling to figure out what to do to get someone to pay me for something, you know, a service or a product. And just for me, it was it was massive to get that first sale. Uh, proof of concept you know um, and then but but in the context of drop shipping you have to pick a niche I mean you have to pick the idea is to have a specialty store there are a number of different criteria you use to, to you know to figure out what might be the best type of product category to sell you don't want to go into for instance selling uh, cellular phones that you uh, Market is pretty saturated with major, well-known brands and and uh, and uh, places where you would buy it. You're not going to compete with Best Buy or the Apple stores or like that. You also don't want to sell something like phone cases. I'm I'm in the high-ticket uh, category. I want my products to be a minimum of three, four, or five hundred dollars. Better if they're a thousand dollars. It's easier to sell a, a two, three thousand-dollar e-bike then sell a 1,000 phone cases, right? And so anyway, I picked high ticket, and that was – so that's one of the criteria. And there are a number of other criteria. You want something that's not seasonal or not too seasonal. Uh, you want something that is um, definitely a niche product, which is difficult to find. You don't want it to be something you can go to the local Costco or hardware store or local – Uh, stores to find, you want something that's difficult to find and that people go online to look for um, a specialty product like that. And so there are a number of other criteria that you can apply to it. And then, you know, I said, wow, e-bikes, those are popular. I didn't know at the time that there were about 95 other guys with guys and girls with websites doing the same thing. And that I would be competing with my suppliers and that there would be some serious supply chain issues. And, that there'd be problems with batteries and controllers and motors and in uh, customer service, uh, you know. So it certainly doesn't meet the standard of passive, you know. I mean, I went into it originally thinking, oh, smart passive income, what a great idea to have these, you know, passive sources of income just flowing at you after you've, you know, written a book and then it just sells itself. It doesn't work that way. I mean, you have to put a lot of effort in, and in the case of dropshipping, you continue to put a lot of effort in. Uh, you can hire people to do a lot of the work, but some of the higher level CEO kind of stuff and customer service, honestly, um, I've continued to do. You can outsource that, hire people to do it, uh, but I've, I haven't. Uh, in, in my case, I, I continue to answer the phone, uh,
0: deal with emails, and you know that's how I've grown my business to where it is. It's really cool, and I think your approach is so intuitive for anybody starting down this path. As I said, you know, I found Pat Flynn as well. I was all enthralled with this idea of passive income to keep my lifestyle on the road moving along. And so I went down that whole path of, you know, what do I love? Well, I love surfing. Well, I love traveling. Well, I love, I mean, I love chocolate too. I love baking bread. As many people do, they start looking towards their hobbies to make a a living off of their hobbies. And I found that to be very difficult. And it sounds like you kind of might have run into those same sort of pitfalls as well until you kind of, Found the drop shipping model, which it sounds like you learned from this gentleman, Dane Maxwell. Is that correct? Well, I learned basic entrepreneurship and a
1: little bit of software to, from him in the foundation. I had to take yet a, another program to learn drop shipping, a drop ship lifestyle uh, Anton Craley's program. And it's really great. I mean, it, I'm still a, a member of the, their Facebook group and which is very active. And, um, there are other courses I've taken, I believe in, in, you know, learning continually, uh, easy e-commerce wins is a, a great course. I have a buddy who just came out with a new one, uh, SEO, um, pardon me, let me get the, the name of it, right. Cause he just came out with it. It's, uh, Oh gosh, I'll I'll think of it in a moment. Um but uh yeah, so in, in for the drop shipping business, I um I uh I follow the the guidance
0: of uh dropship lifestyle, the program. That's really cool because there are so many people out there again on TikTok, Instagram, selling this idea of it's super easy, I make X amount of dollars per month doing whatever. And it's really it's – really, they're all scams. And so for someone like you to find really authentic people teaching value is kind of rare. You you have to get through a lot of uh, fake bullshit before you can really find the, the value-packed information that ultimately, yes, you'd have to pay for. But it does lead to a place where you living in Playa del Carmen right now. You have a, a thriving e-bi- online e-bike drop shipping business. And so – for the, the how were you finding that really valuable information and the right courses to really guide you to this lifestyle?
1: Yeah, there's there's so many gurus out there, and you can get lost in it. You know, you know, Tony Robbins leads you to someone else, leads you to someone else. So if you can find one or two, like Pat Flynn is great. He's someone after you've listened to his podcast and some of his guests, you, you say, I trust this guy. I mean I've listened to him I know his backstory maybe I've read his book um and I just trust him and when he's interviewing someone else and I you do know, I have a pretty sensitive bullshit detector and and I say yeah you know I trust this guy and and before I did the dropship lifestyle program which was not cheap you know I sort of vetted them I I researched it and I chatted with people who were in it and um and I said yeah I think this might work um and, yeah, I think the more time you spend around the gurus, you start to be you, you, you sense you, know, no, 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 this isn't, even ones that are probably have some very successful students, you say, "No, it's just not a good fit for me. I'm not feeling it. That's important that you feel comfortable with the, with the not just with the teacher but also with the strategies and 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 some guy's going to say, this." you know um doing facebook ads which lead you to a landing page where you sell shit from china for 30 bucks it works a lot of people gone very rich doing that but it is not for me you know and people gone very rich selling iphone cases you know it's just not for me i like i like high ticket maybe e-bikes is if i could rewind i might pick a different category i've actually opened Uh, second store that I sold, it was uh, uh, water features like water fountains, not the big heavy ones, but like floaters. Um, Because when you're looking for drop shipping, one of the key uh, criteria is you want something that is expensive, but not too heavy. Because the shipping costs will really cut into your margins a lot. So if you're thinking about shipping bricks or pavers let's say you have decorative pavers can you imagine how much it costs to ship enough decorative pavers to pave a patio i don't even know what the freight costs would be on that versus you know and i'm not saying you should sell watches but a watch is a good example of something that's expensive and yet lightweight um and so finding that sweet spot of it's expensive but it's lightweight and it meets all these other criteria. That's one of the most important things when starting out. You want to pick a product that that really ticks a lot of the boxes to do the, the deep dive into that category. Look at who's selling it. Look at who are who's manufacturing the products. Look at who's using the products and do they have Facebook groups or Instagram or Reddit and and what are they discussing, you know, and really dive into it because ultimately you have to become an expert on that stuff. I knew nothing about e-bikes, literally. I mean, I used to ride bikes a lot. I still do, but um, I didn't know a thing about e-bikes. So, you know, having customers ask me about the battery chemistry or how the motor works, I had to learn all that stuff. Not complicated, but – it did take a little time to to understand that. Now, you know, I actually published a book, the Beginner's Guide to E-Bikes. It's on Amazon, so um, you can do it. There are very few product categories that most people, you know, you can learn it if you just spend enough time. You'll learn it. You know.
0: Yeah, it sounds from your, it sounds like from your knowledge base at this point, you could almost become one of those quote unquote gurus that helps people start their first drop shipping. Website and like sell a course, um, with with that said, and I just this last question on the subject, you know, what were you paying for these courses? Just to give somebody perspective on what's you know maybe a fair price for something that is going to teach you how to make money that then you can recoup your investment on.
1: Yeah, um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I you know it's been several years. I think I paid. It, these are premium programs. I think the foundation at the time that I signed up for it was three or $4,000. Uh, and at the time I signed up for dropship lifestyle, it was again, a couple thousand dollars. I think it's more than that now. Um, and you know, to your point, I'm not going to create my own course. Uh, My buddy did, he's been very successful also in e-bikes, but he created e-com SEO formula, uh, just launched. It's really amazing uh, program. But um, you know, I offer one-on-one coaching. I get approached by people in the Facebook groups uh, who are interested in getting some help uh, figuring out just these basic stuff, and so I do offer one-on-one coaching. Uh, but I'm not I'm not interested in um, developing a whole program or or being you know out there as a guru myself. Uh, but I, I enjoy one-on-one coaching a lot. I really do enjoy helping people and i do a lot of free coaching as well as paid coaching
0: now the million dollar question is do you own one of your own e-bikes that you sell because plato carbon's a great little bike bike town
1: yeah i do i i've owned several over the course of uh the you know years that i've had them but yeah i do have i have uh the cheetah by revy one of my favorites one of my best sellers and uh also just a really great bike so i do have
0: that one here that's great. So yeah, let's take you. Let's take the audience through like kind of your day to day now. Because are you doing the nine to five for your own business in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, or do you have more free time to you know put in a few hours in the morning or in the afternoon whenever your ideal time to work is, and then enjoy the rest of the day, you know, making chocolate or doing the other hobbies that you love.
1: Yeah, I um I typically work about uh, one hour a day, one to two hours a day. I meet. I have uh get up and do a morning routine, you know, you know, meditation and so forth. It's so important. And then I meet with my assistant who lives in Dominica. Uh she's Dominic, Dominic Dominica. Well Dominican, Dominican not yeah. not Dominican Republic. Oh, okay. The country of Dominica. Um interesting. And uh so we go through Fresh emails, we look at open tickets and open orders, back orders, and so forth. Make sure that we're both on the same page. Maybe I have a special job for her, so I'll give her an assignment, like, you know, upload these products or something. And then, you know, I'll have bursts of energy. Like, in the last month or so, I've probably written about 15,000 words of um, fresh content, you know, blog posts and so forth, uh, which is in the domain of SEO. Uh, But I will also have periods of time when I don't work. I, you know, with the pandemic in the first year of it, um, my business went through the roof. It was crazy. And I didn't have an assistant at the time. And so I really just was working. I mean, I've basically worked every day for the last six years. No days off. I mean, I have time off, but I'm always on call. The phone always could ring or emails come in. And so what I try to do is within that context, I mean, I travel and I take, you know, I I, I try to limit the amount of direct sitting at the computer, grinding it out. I've done that for years now. And I either, I think I probably did too much of it and experienced a pretty high level of burnout after that first year. And so last year was about trying to find more balance, hiring someone, getting them to do some of the, the, the hard grunt work, not hard, but just laborious that I didn't want to do anymore. And and this year is, again, more about balance. So I can work one or two hours. And then, yeah, I live in a beautiful beach town, so why not go to the beach and spend a few hours enjoying that or exercising or planning a trip or I bought a nice camera to so take a, some Pictures and then come back in the afternoon and maybe spend an hour or two, you know, knocking out a blog post or something. But yeah, so I mean, it's a lifestyle choice. I could spend more hours if I wanted working. But as I said, I'm almost 60 years old. I spent a whole lifetime working and um, not that I want to, you know, retire, quote unquote, but I have other interests like crypto, for example. So I love to spend time uh, going down the rabbit hole and learning about new projects or managing my own portfolio so to speak and and so that takes time definitely so i have a number of interests that i do there outside of drop shipping.
0: yeah and we probably have a few mutual friends in the crypto space that we follow which we can talk about after the show but i think for the audience you know the cost of living is a big question mark when they are thinking about this transition um what do you mind sharing like a month your monthly cost of living down in plato carmen for us well, my rent
1: was I had a couple of roommates. I have a three-bedroom apartment. I've been renting here for a couple of years. I moved in. I was a roommate situation. I have my own, you know, bedroom and bathroom, but it's nice to live with people too. Um, and so but they moved out. So basically, I have a three-bedroom apartment to myself. So my rent went from 350 dollars a month to 650 dollars a month. So big and double. But, or almost doubled but even still obviously by, by US standards that's cheap um, I eat out most of my meals you know for under 10 bucks usually under 5 bucks um, and my I'm a minimalist I think that once I got rid of everything in, uh, in preparation for the move south um, I just lost my interest in stuff you know I used to have wristwatches and collect them. I used to have shoes, collect them. I used to have clothes and CDs and all sorts of stuff that I collected and, and new products that, and now I just lost my appetite for stuff like that. I mean, occasionally I'll buy like, you know, practical things like a nice camera or some, uh, you know, headphones or something, but um, but I've really, uh, very minimalist lifestyle. So the expenses are minimal and, um, and the business, you know, it, it does, it's doing well, but if I were to move back to Santa Barbara, I don't know if I could really afford the U S lifestyle, um, at present. So, uh, so not only, you know, do I enjoy living in Mexico and I have my residency here now, but, um, but, with a you know solo entrepreneur kind
0: of business it it's sort of uh, I live within my means, yeah, and that brings up a great point because I think there's also the question of, well, yeah, I might like it for a few years, five years, even ten years, but what if I want to go back? What if I want to go back to the u s And as you mentioned, well, with your lifestyle there and the the income that you do have with the business that you do have might not be sustainable back in the States. So do you ever think about that? I mean, is this now your life and lifestyle forever in Mexico? Or if you do choose to move, it's going to be to another similar place that has a low cost of living?
1: I I love Mexico. I've been here for four years plus now, and I feel like it's my you know, I can't say it's my home country, but it is my home. And I have residency and I, I love the Mexican people. They're so generous and warm. And I've grown up, you know, in Los Angeles, surrounded by, you know, Mexican culture and, and the Spanish language. And, and while I may not stay here forever, and this is my home base, and I love travel. I mean, I could see, you know, I've been to Thailand and Cambodia and I want to travel more in the far east i haven't been to the philippines or japan or china i want to go there i've been to a couple of countries in south america but want to do more travel and um but i have no interest really in going back to the states i i keep up with the news to some extent and i am shocked at some of what's happening with the culture there and um you know especially you know around pandemic issues but um, yeah, I, I like the lifestyle here. And I certainly wouldn't, you know, I'm I'm hoping that that uh, or not hoping I, I believe that uh, crypto is, is the future. And I, I don't You know, I, I'm certainly, uh, I think that I, <laughs> I probably could afford to live in the US at some point in the future. Right now, that's really not an issue. I could afford there if I wanted to, but I probably have to, you know, cash in some of my, my, you know, stack and I don't want to do that. So it just it's nice here. It's really a, a wonderful country, and um, I am glad to be here, and I'm glad that they are so welcoming of
0: foreigners. I can relate, and I'm in the process of talking to a few lawyers trying to get my residency as well, because I'd love to make that my home base. With with all that said, Steve, can you talk to one audience member and really try to inspire them to consider this lifestyle and? and give it a, a good go what would you say to them
1: this is not a rehearsal this is your life and every day you live it this is the life you live you know in the moment day to day you know you can think about the future you can think about the past but it's what you're doing now and, and this is it so don't don't not do something and 30 years later go you know have all these regrets of the life that you didn't live i started late i wish i would known about or been more courageous and started in my 20s i'm envious of people who have done that so but it's never too late to to pursue your dreams and you know what misfits and rejects and and weirdos and freaks you know that's cool i'm cool with that um i guess i fit that you know ultimately and and you you have to accept yourself for who you are and then just go for it so you know i did it and you can do it
0: you know well said steve thank you for your time folks check them out at really thank you awesome steve thank you so much for your time it was a pleasure chatting with you i think one big takeaway for me folks was again just the idea that it's never too late you know as steve talked about being a digital nomad and getting started so late in life he's just such a good example that it can be done And so for anybody out there listening, if you're unhappy in your life situation, take his story, get inspired, start thinking of ways to maybe pivot and move in a direction that you want to go, and then start trying to vet and maybe seek out the individuals who are helping people learn about this lifestyle and ways that you can make money on the road, just like Steve did, just like I did when I found Pat Flynn, smartpassiveincome.com. When he did as well. And then we both, through his podcast, Smart Passive Income, found individuals that we kind of connected with and their story, and then utilized the services that they were offering. I chose David Seitman Garland to buy his course on how to create awesome online courses, which was tremendously helpful. Steve chose drop shipping. He found his niche with e bikes, which is supplying him with enough monthly income to live a very cool life in Mexico. So take it from Steve. It's never too late. And please remember, if you're a first-time listener, hit that subscribe button. Leaving a review is really helpful. So if you're up for it, I do appreciate any type of reviews you're willing to leave about Misfits and Rejects. And like I said in the intro, if you want to support me and Misfits and Rejects, you can do that in two ways. One way is by heading over to MisfitsandRejects.com and buying a t-shirt. The other way is heading over to Patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects or just searching Misfits and Rejects on Patreon.com and giving a monthly donation. Thank you so much to those donors who are already donating. I appreciate you, and I appreciate you for listening. I think you all are so very beautiful, and I'll see you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview, inspire you to go out, spread your wings and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it, it's the perfect one for you and I'll see you next time.